Hi everyone, I'm Flynn. I'm Gianni. I'm Luke. And uh, this is Chatting Cinema, and we figured that with Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, the latest Star Wars film coming out uh, pretty soon, um, that we would do a retrospective on all eight previous main saga Skywalker films. Um, so we're going chronologically, and today we're going to start with The Phantom Menace. Woo! Everyone's favorite, right? The best one? <laughs> yes. Right, correct. Luke, you're, you're actually a pretty big fan, right? I, I am. <laughs> well, because, all right, fun fact, I'm named after Luke Skywalker 1. Um, so that's just like the beginning of my life. I was meant to love Star Wars and make movies. But, two, uh, so my brother wanted to see Phantom Menace in theaters so many times in 1999, me as a two-year-old, mm. that I feel like in my head I just am happy when I'm watching Phantom Menace. I don't I don't know what it is. It's just like it reminds me like I had all the action figures. I had the entire toy line like as a kid. Loved it so much. And like we had the VHS tape and we wore it out. Right. Like it was great. And like that has carried into my adult life, unlike most Star Wars fans. Or <laughs> yeah. I'm like I still love this movie. Right, and I feel like that's something um, with the prequels in general and our generation, something about growing up with them and coming at them from an innocent perspective. Yeah. Because um, they're, they're fun movies. Yeah, and, they are. And when you get into it, like, like technical things like dialogue and, and CGI and stuff. Then you're kind of tearing it, it apart. It falls apart, yeah. but <laughs> I, I feel like we don't really do that as much. Um, because we grew up on them, and it was it was yeah. the Star Wars from our childhood. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I had every action figure, every ship I could get. Every, yeah. I know the, the Lego sets the, too. The, the Lego the, games. The Lego yeah. games. I remember playing my Game Boy, and I would play the Lego like prequel games. Oh, they were so great. Yeah. So we, hard to beat Grievous. <laughs> losing the the little lightsabers for my action figures. That was then, the worst. Um. So Phantom Menace came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um. Were you guys alive yet? I, I was, was born that year. Okay, you were. I just yeah. forget yeah. how much older yeah. I am than you guys. I should probably <laughs> say, I didn't actually see Phantom Menace until I was maybe five years old. Wow. That may okay. be the earliest memory I have of it. And yeah. like like you were saying, you know, we don't really pick up on the bad dialogue, things like that, when we're at a young age. Because to me, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, they were like the best movies ever Right. To, yeah. at that yeah. age, you know? It was so exciting when they one are. of them came yeah. out, yeah. They're bright, they're colorful, they're explosive, they're everything a kid wants. Yeah. And, you know, Star Wars is uh, a franchise made with children in mind um, to appeal to them, and so I think that there's value in that, in, in what Lucas created with these. So this was the first Star Wars movie to come out since 1983, it's a big um, gap. It is a big gap. And uh, this process of making the prequels is interesting because it was a little different. Um, you know, George Lucas was always the the sort of the godfather behind Star Wars and, and had a lot of the big concepts and ideas. Because he didn't direct four, five, or six. Right. right. He directed four, and that's it. Or, yeah, yeah he directed yeah, four, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it was always more of a made-by-committee Star Wars with Lucas as a driving creative He was force. always there right. to make sure it was still Star Wars. But then you have guys like Irvin Kirshner uh, directed Empire mm-hmm. or Lawrence Kasdan you know, writing the scripts. Um, but with the prequels, he sort of took on this massive role of, I'm going to do it all, it's my vision. And by that time, Star Wars is the biggest thing in the world. Um, it exploded. Everybody loves it. Um, so, you know, anybody working on those films with Lucas 
isn't going to necessarily challenge him on anything. Sure. And he was so sure of himself too, right? right? I mean, this was the first movie he directed after you know that twenty-two year break yeah. between directing Phantom well, Menace and A New Hope. Yeah. And um, and he comes along and he's thinking, okay, the CGI, the the special effects are all up to date. I can do this movie. And he had a lot of yes people in the room, yes. right? Is that yeah. what you're getting at? Yeah. 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 And you know, it, it always seemed like if you look at interviews with Lucas and even people like Mark Hamill, um, this always seemed like. It was going to happen. The, these extra movies, um, the prequels, and and getting into the Clone Wars and and how everything happened, always seemed like something that Lucas wanted to do. Um, so it is cool that he got to do it. Uh, so Phantom Menace is we find the galaxy on the brink of civil war. Um, gotta love some space politics, right? <laughs> gotta love some space politics, and uh, that's another interesting thing about about the prequels and you really feel it in this movie where Star Wars has always been political and it's always been allegorical and things like that but in the original trilogy it feels much more like subtext um, like something we glean on our own um, and sort of take from it what we understand it's not subtle in that it's about anti-fascism or anything like that Um, but this prequel trilogy sort of gets into minutiae. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that really bogs it down um, because George Lucas will be the first person to tell you that he struggles writing dialogue. Um, so you, when you want to deal with these heavy concepts... Uh, and you have weak dialogue and you have yeah. weak carrying dialogue, them out. It's, it's rough. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's like, don't get me wrong, Like, I am a big fan of this movie, but the thing I will not defend is those long scenes in the Senate room where it's sure. like swooping, sh- like little carrying ships holding a bunch of senators. I'm just like, <laughs> right. as like a five-year-old, I'm like, where's Qui-Gon Jinn? Yeah. Right. Where's Darth Maul? Like, yeah. that's what I'm here for. Where are the lightsabers? Yes. What are we doing why, here? <laughs> why are they talking about things I don't get? Right. And even as an adult now, I'm just like, what are they even saying? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's, it's three kind of got it to the point where like the politics were starting to make more sense. Yes. But yeah, like one and one and two were just like, what are they even trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, different planets and trade federations and senate. It's, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's really, it's really a lot. Dense. Yeah. So some of the the more fun sequences in this movie that everybody loves have nothing to do with that. Yeah. We have the pod racing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and we have, obviously, I think that everybody's favorite scene in this movie, for the most part, is the, the final lightsaber battle. I mean, the music in that scene right. alone is probably the most iconic non-Force theme slash Skywalker right. theme song out yeah. of Star Wars. Duel so. of the Fates yes. by John Williams. Great. Shout out to John Williams. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and that's sort of... Uh, that's sort of when it feels like Star Wars, you know? Like yeah. This, this big, epic battle, the chorus is going. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I loved about that scene was how they crossed it between Jar Jar and the Gungans on mm-hmm. the battlefield, Anakin in this in space, like, truly showing how he is a great right. pilot at eight years old or yeah. ten years old, whatever he is. And then, and then back <laughs> yeah. and forth between then the lightsaber fight and then, like, the palace and Padme, like... That was like really well done. I yes. always thought, like, yeah, whoa, I, like I taking agree. all of those actions because, like, that's what war is. War is not right. fought in one spot. Right. Sure. And this is like the first big battle of it. But I did want to go back because I thought the movie opened on such a strong note, where we don't know Qui Gon Jinn, mm. and we know Obi Wan, but we didn't know. We did. We only knew old, like old Ben version. Right. We right. didn't know him in his prime. Exactly. Yeah. So it opens up on them, and there was a little bit of politics, but then we got lightsabers. Mm. So, 
I just thought that opening scene was such a cool introduction to Qui-Gon because that you really needed to introduce that yeah. character because you needed to be like, all right, this is the guy who taught Obi-Wan everything he knew, and that's why Obi-Wan was so wise. And we also see a young Obi-Wan who doesn't know everything. Right. He is imperfect. And I thought that was awesome. Like, just the... You and McGregor really sold yes. the prequel trilogy. Yes. Like, right. the fact that he grew into the character we all loved in episode four and then now i mean everybody talks about him disney knows and right. are making the show with right. him because they still can like why not yeah i mean from the moment disney purchased star wars it sort of felt like people were wondering when is ewan gonna be back as obi-wan he still then? looks like he could play obi-wan right, right after episode yeah. three just yes. regrow the beard yeah and that's the, i think that's the one um sort of universally praised thing about the prequels across the board is ewan mcgregor as obi-wan he's so good um, and, you know, any sort of, like, dialogue mishaps or anything, he sort of just elevates to the point where you don't even notice because yeah. he's so it, good. His story was just really compelling, mm -hmm. too. Yes. So. Definitely. And big shoes to fill from Alec Guinness, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are interviews where he was he was really afraid to take on that role, and then and he did, and it was well-received. Thank goodness he did. Yeah. I would venture to say that that's probably one of the saving graces of the prequel trilogy is the yeah. characters. I yes. think we get yeah. attached to Obi-Wan. We get attached to Padme Amidala. And Anakin, too. And, and Anakin. He didn't I, have the best dialogue, but I still was attached. I am a fan right. of Anakin, yeah. Right. yeah. I am, too. I mean, that's the other thing is, like, if you think about it, they had three beloved movies already out. Out, and then they're bringing in a movie where it's younger versions of the Emperor, of yes. Darth Vader, of Obi Wan, and you're like, where's our heroes, Luke, Leia, and Han, right. and Chewie, and like the only heroes that we see consistently are C3PO and R2D2. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like that was really big shoes to fill, and also kind of creating like, like it always blew my mind how in Episode Four they talked about the Clone Wars. Yes. And yeah. in 1977. They said the words "the Clone Wars" and w the Clone Wars didn't start until 1999. Right. Technically, 2002. Yes. Yeah. You know, like that. I was just amazed by as a kid. Yeah, really fascinating. Really, and and that's such a good Star Wars has such great world building. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes they've done this to great effect. Sometimes it's sort of fallen apart where something's set up and you just feel everything in Star Wars is so lived in and so real. Um, and so you always feel like you can go out and, and explore that deeper. And so sometimes you have like the expanded universe novels and, and a lot of them really aren't very good. Um, but they have that footing from the world that George created where it just feels like anybody in a cantina, anybody on a battlefield, you feel like you can go to that person and learn their story and it, might would be fit pretty in. interesting. And it would yeah. fit in, yeah. Sure. And getting back to that anticipation of Phantom Menace, people were excited to return to places like oh, Tatooine, yeah. yes. you know, and, and see what it was like way back when. And I think that's a really compelling thing. Which um, this movie, we actually got to see Tatooine. Exactly. And it wasn't like the goal was just to get out right away. Like, right. we saw it, and we saw Jabba doing his thing, yeah. like right. being the boss of the planet. <laughs> like, and I mean, like you said, the pod racing scene was awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I love that. Tatooine is is really interesting. I feel like in it's the glue movie. that held the first six movies together. Yeah. They always ended up back on Tatooine for something. Like, they had to go find a chosen one twice on Tatooine. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and everything feels, it all feels grimy and, and a little sleazy. And that's how Tatooine is presented and to us. And then our heroes, Luke and Anakin, are, like, raised by that. Right. And are in it. And that's yes. what always made them so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, so 
Phantom Menace, when it first came out, um, wasn't really the the more hated movie it became. It definitely became it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that... Well, the internet definitely played yes, a part in that. It, it, sure. it was, the memes. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of it was the internet. I, I mean, because critics didn't really know, like... Uh, how should I feel about this? It, it was it was really a different blockbuster. Well, and they praised the effects. They praised mm-hmm. the effects, yeah, the exactly. score. Yeah, for the time, it was fantastic sure, effects yeah. And they knocked things like the dialogue and, right. and like some of the performances. So, Although it's... one thing I never understood as a Star Wars fan was, like, you're not going in to see, like, a groundbreaking, like, cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You just want a good story. Right. And each one of them pretty much tells a good story. Yeah. So, like, from a Star Wars fan's point of view... There's really no Star Wars movie I'm truly unhappy with. Yeah. Like, and critics are just like, oh, well, the dialogue is weak. Well, I don't go to Star Wars to see the greatest written dialogue. Right. Like, of course, I don't want it to be bad, but, like, I feel like they're always so extra harsh yeah. when a Star Wars movie comes out. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting. I, I mean, we can, you know, get into it with any of the Star Wars movies as we continue through these retrospectives, but I think that a lot of people... Not that, you know, I don't absolutely adore every movie in the original trilogy because I do. I I hold them in such high regards. But I think that a lot of people um, sort of revere them so much that they don't go back and understand, like, those movies are incredibly silly. And, yeah. And oh, yeah. some of the dialogue is really goofy. And, like, and it's super cheesy and campy. Yeah. And that is by design. That's yeah. what Star well, Wars is. It worked because it appealed to so many audiences. Right. Where there was a real enough story for older fans because the older fans that started with the original trilogy still stuck around. Yeah. And then the people who grew up with them were so mad about the prequels saying all these things. But like you said, they're pretty much doing the same thing, just different time periods. And, like, I've had this experience so many times where I try to show somebody Star Wars, and I show them Episode Four, and they get bored or fall asleep Mm -hmm. because it is a very slow-paced movie. Meanwhile, you show them one, two, or three, and even though four is better, they get more excited and are more into it because it's a newer movie and it's different pacing. And, like, that's where one, I was like, okay, one brought Star Wars back. Like, without one, you'd have nothing after it. Yes. Like, you wouldn't have your beloved Clone Wars show. Yeah. You wouldn't have, which is amazing. I'm not it knocking is. it, but yes. there's people who are like, episode one sucks. Like, there's even the machete order where they don't even acknowledge right. episode yes. one. Yeah. I'm like, True. all right. Like, yeah. it's real, guys. Yeah. Like, it's real. Yeah, it like, happened. happened. Like, it's not the best movie, but I love it. Yeah. And there's something to say for that because George Lucas had a vision, right, mm-hmm. for these movies. And then, you know, like you were saying earlier Flynn that that he can't really write dialogue well and he's the first person to admit that but if you peel back the layers of any one of the the, the prequel trilogy like there are movies there yeah you know what I mean yeah. and there are stories there yeah to be told it's it's not it's not as far off as, as people everyone would makes like it you to believe exactly, exactly. yeah from being this sort of tour de force and yeah and like the one thing I was always like so interested by in episode one was that Qui-Gon was just such a dynamic, interesting character. And he has since become such a huge, important character yeah. within the grand scale of Star Wars because he's the one who figured out how to do Force Ghosts. Right. And, like, without that, I mean, that was kind of utilized a lot in 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. Like, you know, and even in 7 and 8, they've used it, like, qui- without Qui-Gon. And, like, Qui-Gon is, like, a direct influence to Obi-Wan, who influenced Anakin, who influenced Luke. Like, you take away Qui-Gon, and it's, like, everything would be so different. And Liam Neeson delivered a fantastic performance, too. Yeah, he's great. And I don't want to blame Qui-Gon for the Empire, Darth Vader, but, I mean, Qui-Gon sort of 
sets this to like yeah yes yeah, gets it going and, and but imagine if he was there to train it and it kind of right. went different right. you yeah. know and it's like then you blame obi-wan but you can't yeah. you know but yeah i just always loved his character so much yeah. and darth maul too another character who sense has become so important in the grand scale mm-hmm. of star wars and like i'm like that's their introductions like right. it was such a great way to learn who these characters are yeah and like after darth vader being like that big ominous villain for three movies like Darth Maul had huge shoes to fill. Definitely. Absolutely. To be the next, like, impending villain. And they went, and they could have went with another character that, like, had the quirk, like, the breathing. But no, they went with a mute. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, okay, like, that's interesting. Like, I like that a lot. And then the look was so distinct. Like, I loved everything about Darth Maul. He's probably my favorite villain from Star Wars. Yeah, very different, very imposing. Um, And the dual lightsaber. Yeah. (laughs) The game changer. Yeah. Game changer. So... And that, that plays into um, not watching trailers because they showed that in the trailer. But if, yeah. if that's your first experience with it in Phantom Menace, if you get to the duel of the fates and you're wondering why this it's guy's like, lightsaber has such a long hill. I just punched my mic. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I'm excited. Know, yeah, goes into a double blade, which is, is something new. And, and the prequels introduce a lot of new things that got built upon uh, yeah. by other people and, and really fleshed it out by things that you know people quote-unquote like. Like the Clone Wars. Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. Darth Maul's arc in Clone Wars, um, when you find out he's not dead and he has he's driven by this revenge. Spoiler yeah. alert! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, spoilers for Clone Wars cartoon. Um, and he has this <laughs> this revenge arc against Obi-Wan. Oh, my God. It's so interesting. Love that, that arc. That doesn't exist. That yeah. doesn't exist without... Yeah. And uh, spoiler Phantom alert, Wars. Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Spoiler alert too, solo. Yeah, right. Yeah. Comes in at the That's end. That's what of I solo. mean. He's yeah. so important. I've honestly been waiting for Liam Neeson to show up again. Yeah. Like he did. He well, voiced, he returned for the Clone Wars, he right? He did, but he that did. was only ghost form. Yeah. I want me some Qui Gon Jinn solo movies. Yeah. Yeah, like just anything's him. possible with Disney. It and, really yeah. is. And the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> and and who knows? The money is, of the, the mouse. Yeah. yeah. This isn't really uh a space where we're speculating about episode nine, but Force Ghost wise. You never know. He'd be a great force ghost yeah. to show up and be like, yo, Ray, yeah. you need to learn how to be a Jedi <laughs> <Right>. already. <laughs> and I think it would be a, a fun surprise. For yeah. People. So yeah. um, so some final thoughts on Phantom Menace from me. Uh, I saw the movie, obviously, like I said, when I was a little younger, um, and I really liked it when I saw it when I was about five years old yeah. and kind of growing up with that prequel trilogy. Um, I do think it is the weakest of the prequel trilogy, but I do think that uh, one, two, and three really kind of get better as they go. Yeah. Um, I think Attack of the Clones is better than Phantom Menace, and you know, same thing for Revenge of the Sith. I think it's better than Attack of the Clones. But I liked what Phantom Menace set up. Um, like you guys said earlier, and like I said too, I think the characters are really the saving grace of these three films. And I think, like I said, Lucas really had something there, and maybe if he had someone else writing the scripts with him, or some people in the room to challenge him on some of his um, ideas, I think we could have had some significantly better films. But as far as Phantom Menace goes, I still, I like it today, and I have a lot of respect for it. Yeah. I mean, my final thoughts, because, you know, I just got to get it out there. Everybody knows now that I'm a gigantic fan of this movie. (laughs) I've watched it so many times. Like, I watched it two days ago without knowing we were recording this. But I even watched it on the plane going to California. There was a bunch of movies I hadn't seen. I was like, I'll watch Phantom Menace again. Like, why not? But... I just think that this movie does such a great job of introducing fans what Star Wars is all about. It may not be the best, 
but it hits home everything Star Wars wants you to know with interesting characters like you've brought up and then great visual effects for the time. I mean, 1999 was like a pivotal time for movies in general with like computer generated effects just starting. I mean, like Pixar started in 95 with their films. Like it was a really changing point as opposed to Star Wars does amazing practical effects to this day, but without Phantom Menace, First, being the first movie to utilize those effects, it's like a big deal for Star Wars. And then for me, it's almost like, one, I love, I'm just biased. Two, I wasn't as big a fan of as one. But then three, it's like, it brings it home. Like, this is actually a good movie, like, I think, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the prequels are really interesting. And, in, um, you know, I think that everybody sort of has different thoughts uh, on which movie is their favorite. I see a lot of Attack of the Clones is the worst. I see a lot of Phantom Menace is the worst. I think that consensus-wise, people tend to hold Revenge of the Sith sort of as, as the, the best highest. of the three. Yeah. Um, Although I always thought, like, why focus on which one you hate the most? Right. You know, like, I mean, as much as I don't like Episode Two, then I just don't talk about Episode right. Two as much. You know, exactly. Because like, there's things I love about one and three that I always bring up, and I'm just like, I'll leave two alone. Like, the end fight was dope. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and like you were saying earlier, Luke, about the the machete order, like people want to pretend like this one didn't happen but it's, but it's so did. important yeah and it, it has some really pivotal things in it um so you know for what it is it's still a fun watch um and i think that like you said if you're introducing people to star wars there is some real value in in going chronologically and watching from phantom menace um you know, so yeah, I, I have some similar ideas about the movie itself as you do, Gianni. Um, I would probably rank it at the bottom of mine, but that's not a sign of disrespect towards it yeah. or anything. I mean, I think that's the thing is no matter how we talk about a Star Wars movie, we all love it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. sure. it's Star Wars. I right. mean, like, and we're only going to get so many because Disney's probably only going to produce like 50 more movies. Yeah. Just <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Well, I, we don't even know what Disney's going to do. <laughs> yeah. As long as they make money, they'll keep making them. But yeah. I just think it's important to find the positives within each movie yes. because each one brings something to the table and Phantom Menace is definitely the most hated. Right. It definitely is. Yeah. Except maybe episode eight now. Yeah. Because yeah, I feel like it's a, such people, a split. Depending on, yeah, what Who you talk to. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I just love me some Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth <laughs> Maul. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap up our Phantom Menace episode. We're going to keep doing these from Attack of the Clones up until The Last Jedi. Uh, leading up to Rise of Skywalker. So keep listening if you like Star Wars, want to hear about Star Wars. Um, So we'll see you next time.